Hello, and welcome to Travel Loving Moms podcast, episode four. This podcast is about moms for moms who love to travel with their family, full-time, part-time, local, or around the world. You will hear inspiring and encouraging stories along with tips that they've used during their travels. If you have a desire to travel with your family, then this podcast is for you. I'm Penny. I'm your host. And on today's show, I'll be talking to a military mom, which reminds me to take a moment and thank all the men and women who have protected our country near and far. May we never forget the ones that lost their life while serving for our country. We thank you. She is a mom to three little boys. She is a military wife and mom who enjoys day trips around the local areas wherever the military life takes them. You can follow her at Raise a Little Wonder on Instagram and check out her blog at www.raisealittlewonder.com. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Hi, Penny. Hi, Samantha. We're so glad to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Yes. Now, tell us where you're from originally. That is a really funny question. Um, I was not a military military child growing up. We weren't a military family, but I actually lived in seven different states before the military life. As a child, we lived from anywhere from Florida to Wisconsin. I claim Tennessee now since that's the last place and technically the longest place that I lived. So long story short, Tennessee, but technically all over. Are you in the military or is your husband in the military? My husband is the one in the military. He is active duty army. Army. Go army. Yeah. (laughs) Now, where has the uh, military taken y'all? We have been married for five years. And in those five, although my husband served a, a couple before we were married, we've been to Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, which is where we are currently And then we are about two weeks away from moving across the country to uh, the border of Washington State and Idaho uh, for about a two and a half year stint. So he has not had to go overseas yet? He has. He has done uh, two tours of duty. Those were both before we were married. I actually met him seven days. I think it was seven days after he got back from Afghanistan the second. And out of all the places you've gone to so far, what was your favorite? I was just thinking about that. Um, (laughs) I suppose, I suppose our favorite currently is South Carolina. And that is just because we have found really cool day trips. We are within two and a half hours of so many amazing beaches. The mountains are right here. And it's just convenient to cool little towns like Asheville, Raleigh is still really doable, Greenville, they're all really close. But I have an inking feeling that our favorite is for sure going to be our next duty station. It's so close to everything. Now, when y'all go to the different locations, do y'all stay on base or do y'all travel in like a travel trailer or something and stay off of base? We have lived in both situations we have lived on base in North Carolina and then we have lived off base and I feel like that is actually um, a characteristic of the modern military family for so many years and a lot of military families in the past everyone sort of lived on base it was this central hub but now that 
the military life has changed so much. Um, a lot of military families are dual income families. There's just so many opportunities. People are investing in, um, in homes and flipping homes wherever they go, being um, landlords. We are seeing a huge trend of people living off base, which is great because you can kind of find your own little community. You can be, you know, still in the downtown if that's your that's your phase of life or you can be super convenient to schools tucked away in the suburbs. We live in a community that's about 30 minutes away from the actual base right now. Tell us a little bit about being a, a military wife and mom. <laughs> um, it is a lesson in patience constantly. Um, I feel like I had the traditional upbringing where I was brought up to respect the military greatly, um, appreciate everything that they do. But I had no idea about what it was really like. As most people say, you don't know until you are in it, until you experience it. It is wonderful. It is an amazing adventure. And it is really difficult at times. Um, You just kind of have to trust. You have to go ahead blindly sometimes, especially um, if you're moving like we are in two weeks and don't have anything set up because you're waiting on some paperwork so if you can embrace a little bit of chaos and learn to love just a really adventurous life then it'll work out great I used to love the show army wives have you seen that I have seen bits of it and you know that's so funny it's um I was just thinking about that the other day I was watching it's an old show called the unit on amazon And now that I am a military wife, the way that military wives are typically cast and portrayed is so funny. It is so far from what we are really like. Well, that's good to know. I'll definitely keep that in mind next time I watch that show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's totally different. Your family was in the Military Family Magazine. Can you tell us about that and let us know what month you were in? Yes, so we were in the April digital issue. If you go on Military Families Magazine's website, you can find us in that travel section. I had kind of switched our Instagram account, which is just a personal fun project, um, and started posting less about the homeschool activities that we were doing and more about the travel that we have always done. And it really started taking off. I had no idea that other people didn't utilize the military and proximity in the same way that we did and had a really good conversation with Military Families Magazine. I said, hey, um, we are kind of expert day trippers. We think that more military families should totally do the things that we do because it's um, friendly for a single family income budget. It is one of the best ways to kind of have a positive outlook on the different transitions in military life at each base and talked with the editors. They were really excited. I wrote my first travel article um, as a freelance writer and actually now have a contract with them to continue freelancing and picking up some different stories here and there. They have a bunch of great resources, um, both for military families and also just for families in general about different areas of the country and the world. And you were talking about schooling. So do you homeschool? 
So we have a hybrid option right now. We have our oldest um, who actually still does traditional school, but he sort of gets supplemented at home since we travel so frequently. We're considering some different options for him next year, like a virtual academy. Um, He still goes back to Tennessee to spend summers with his dad. So it's not 100% our choice. And we just try to make the best of both worlds with that scenario. But I do have two younger ones. I have an almost four-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old. And my four-year-old is definitely homeschooling. He is travel schooling, which is a little bit of a subset where we use where we go to base what we're going to teach him. And since he is four, uh, we are kind of diving into broader subjects like, hey, we're going to Yellowstone this summer. So let's pull out some books on Yellowstone and talk about what that looks like and have little questions back and forth with each other about it so we can engage him in what what we're going to see and what we're going to do. There's so much out there, like you said, to see and do. That's a learning experience in itself. Absolutely. And that is definitely the reason why I think more families are definitely choosing to homeschool in the military community is that one of the hardships, if you want to call it a hardship, is that our children have to move schools and lose that kind of connected community or we see educational gaps arise because there's a difference in what you're learning in Oklahoma and what you're going to learn in South Carolina in second grade in general. And homeschooling really allows you to keep that connectivity, that continuity going no matter what time of year it is, no matter where you're located. It's a constant that they can depend on and they can learn from. If you are in Germany, then you can teach about all of and explore ancient European history based on whatever grade that they're currently in instead of waiting and leaving all of that out of their education until, say, they're in high school when they, that would be traditionally taught. In terms of history, I actually was a former public school teacher, and most history can be taught at any age. Of course, there's different levels and absorption levels, a two-year-old or and a 12-year-old are not going to absorb material on the same level, but there's no reason why you can't talk to your um, eight-year-old about ancient history. Or if you're in Hawaii and you're living this amazing surf lifestyle, why you can't teach them about, um, you know, oceanic exploration and um, ocean ecosystems. Like, that should definitely be on the ticket for you while you're there. Um, conservation and environmentalism is really important to us as a family It is, I was just on my travel group on women who travel through Condé Nast Traveler. I'm on their Facebook group, and we were just having a discussion last night about the national parks, how it's peak tourist season, and I can probably expect to see a lot of people stepping on um, these really important soils and or a lot more trash than what you'd see in the off season, and so I am 100% bringing conservation and cleanup into our summer trip with my little guys, talking to them about making sustainable choices and environmentally friendly choices and what we can do to, to keep it better than we leave it better than we came. We've mentioned several times for some day trips. Can you tell us um, how you plan your day trips and what you look for and where do you like to go the most when you go somewhere? 
Sure. I am actually really excited because currently on my laptop, I am 99% done with coming out with our kind of our go-to guide, showing everybody exactly how we plan this so that you have the highest chance of success every time. And for us, when we are doing day trips for us with our kids and their ages, that means that we are sticking within a three hour or less radius. And I am trying to make the most out of the drive period. Three hours is also their car sitting limit. Anything more than that, they really have to get out and stop. And it really has to be a stop that is quality time spent outside exercising. So what I like to do is determine where we're going to go that day and see if there's anywhere that is within, you know, plus or minus 30 minutes, that would also be a good stop. Anything that we can do to kind of loop it around either on the trip there or the trip back. And that just maximizes our time and it lets us travel a little bit slower. That is really important with their ages so that it's not just sitting and everybody quarreling in the back because it's taking so long. When are we going to get there? It breaks it up. And that's really important. Now, do y'all have any car games that you take along or anything? Do you let them look at an iPad or something to keep them busy for that three hours? So I feel like we've sort of mastered this. Um, We have different phases of entertainment and snacks because snacks are totally entertainment with kids. Um, We will start and it'll be like mom and dad's choice on the radio. We'll have their little toys that they have out at first and then Usually an hour will pass and they'll get bored with that. And so then we'll go to some of their kids songs that they like to listen to that aren't crazy, like nothing like Baby Shark, but the tunes that they like to listen to that we kind of all enjoy as a family. I'll switch out their toys, maybe have some road trip bingo for them at that point. And then usually about an hour and a half to two hours in, it's time for the tablets. And with the tablets or any entertainment device, I make sure that I download a variety of shows in length um, and also in content. And then I might throw in on a long road trip or something. I might refresh their games and give them a new one to try anything like that. So that it's, it's not just the same old iPad or whatever you use that they've had every time. And that way I'm not giving them the entertainment, which is the tablet that has the highest value. That is, the gold method that is like the gold star standard right there um and if I was to give that to them right away the little Hot Wheels card that I brought trying to give that to them after they're gonna be like what is this I don't I don't want this you know give me give me the iPad back I guess even though I'm bored of it so we try to stagger those in order to ensure that we are getting the most time on the road that we can and there's really so much to see within a day trip radius I didn't really realized that until that kind of became our our family niche when we eliminated an average $150 for a hotel night stay and being in an area yes we're going to have to drive back but at the same time I mean that time that we would spend in the hotel at six o'clock at night that's just a lot of downtime sitting and not really doing much and that $150 can at least in our family be used for a lot more things. Oh, sure. It could be used for your next trip. And you had mentioned to me before the show that y'all were going to try to hit five national parks on the way. So which ones are those? 
Yes. So one of the amazing perks of the Army is when they move you, they give you travel stipends. So we know that we have about 10 days um, where our food, our gas, and our lodging that we all get to pick is going to be paid for um, to move across the country. It is almost literally coast to coast what we're doing. And so we've mapped it out. I'm still working on it, but we are going to hit the Peace Arch in St. Louis. Then we're going to go to Sioux Falls um, in Nebraska, Mount Rushmore, the Badlands. We're going to go to Yellowstone, the Tetons, Craters of the Moon in Idaho. And then once we have actually got to our house, my husband's family lives in Washington State on the West Coast side. So we're also going to go to Olympic National Park at the end of the summer. Yeah, it's kind of like my life's bucket list is coming true like right now. (laughs) And you'll be close to Oregon. Yeah, we'll be, it's going to be a little bit farther of a drive. That'll definitely be a a weekend trip. But we chose, we got to choose this duty station where my husband is going to complete his bachelor's and commission back in as an officer versus enlisted, which is a completely different lifestyle in the military community. And we chose the university in Idaho because of its proximity to Utah and all the national parks, as well as family. But I was asking about Oregon because that's one of my bucket list places to go. Oh, yeah. Oregon is beautiful. I haven't seen it personally. I've done a lot of Washington West Coast trips just because we have family out there. But Cannon Beach in Oregon, it it all looks dreamy. How do, how do your boys react with all the moving and everything? Do they settle in pretty well to the different places you all go or does it take them a little while? They do really well with it. I'm always super proud of them. The one thing that we did a few years ago after our first move, I feel like everybody goes through the first move and it's really, really hard on everybody. You're adjusting, you're getting used to it. But we kind of came together and we decided let's change the way that we look at this and this life that we have. Um, Everybody will kind of say, oh my goodness, that's so hard. How do you move? How do your kids do it? And that to us is a negative position to take on our life and what comes along with it. So what we decided to do was switch to being an experience-based family. Um, That means that we're using all of these moves every two years as our next opportunity. This is, instead of the thing that's being done to us, this is what we are looking forward to um, so that we can plan new experiences and new travels. And that has really opened up new doors. It's like turning a new chapter on your life. We are excited and anticipating this instead of dreading it. I think that's really cool that they get to experience all of that and learn from it, like you said. Absolutely. It was a complete family culture shift for us. And we really just try to constantly choose memories over materials for their birthdays. They know better. They know that they're not going to get hundreds of dollars in toys. They will get something small, something useful. And then they actually now all of them say, well, where am I going to go for my birthday? How are we going to celebrate it? And they know that means an experience. My eight-year-old chose Carowinds theme park for his birthday. He actually went with my husband because we have smaller ones. And they spent the whole day there. 
And I can guarantee you that those hours that they spent riding the coasters and what he did was better than any toy I could have picked out from him at Target. Now, Samantha, do you have any tips um, for moving with the military for little ones and or just doing the day trips that you would like to share with us? Yes, absolutely. In terms of road trips and moving, you need to look at it as an experience and come into it with a positive attitude. Don't try to overdo it. Don't try to be a mileage hero each day. Um, Take the day as it comes. Plan, know your kids' limits. For mine, like I said before, that's about two and a half to three and a half hours. So before I get on the road, I need to choose a route um, that is going to make sense for us. It's not always the fastest route, but it's the route that has the most stops that are going to provide quality experiences for us, the most opportunities for my children in each place. And I'm going to make sure to look up at the visitor center website in most cities, what the free things are to do there so that I can go to this awesome park versus pulling over at a, at like a visitor center where we're going to sit on this little strip of grass and I'll be sort of miserable. No, we're, we're going to go and drive 10 extra minutes and be downtown and walk on the suspension bridge and see the splash pads and really, you know, completely engage all five senses at that point. And that makes for a better negotiation with your children to get back in those seats than, than just kind of hurrying up on the side of the road. But also for moving, you want to make sure you're organized. We have um, a PCS binder that has all of our valuable information. So social security cards, birth certificates, anything that we might need to provide documentation about our move to anybody. I have that with me. And I also really limit the amount of gear, clothing, et cetera, that I'm hauling with us. I will reach out to hotels and ask them for the crib instead of taking the pack and play. Um, If we, the goal is to be walking, then I'm not necessarily going to bring the stroller because it's just a big bulky item and I want the kids to walk anyway. I'll bring the baby carrier instead. And that limits the amount of profuse sweating that you're going to be doing as an adult, hauling all everybody's stuff everywhere. Those are some great tips. Thank you so much, Samantha, for sharing those with us. And I want to thank you also for being on the podcast today. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. And I hope that all of our listeners have enjoyed this show with Samantha at Raise a Little Wonder. Be sure to follow her on Instagram and her blog. Be sure to follow us at Travel Loving Moms on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. We thank you for listening, and may your family be blessed and your travels be awesome.